Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live, this Monday edition on 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. Coming up on today's program, some headlines to look at. Quite a few things going on out there, and we'll have a variety of stories to cover. And then uh, also uh, take a look at uh, some health news at the end of today's program. Very important news about the overall condition of your body. Are you acid? Are you alkaline? Who knows? You can find out. It's good to be alkaline. We'll talk about that and more this edition of Trumpet Radio Live here on 101.3 KPCG. Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com. I'm Dwight Falk, and uh, Grant Turgeon returns today from uh, his uh, week-long battle with a grave disease of some kind. <laughs> You're, you, uh, you have arisen victorious. Yeah, I guess I won. <laughs> <laughs> this time. That's way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He won this time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we have a story later about the oldest person in the world that just died recently. So it's hard to stay on the top for very long when you are in the category of the world's oldest person. <laughs> but then there's always a new oldest person. So, and then there's always somebody in the mix claiming they're the oldest person, but no one can find their birth certificate. That'd so. be a fun job to be the Guinness Book of World Records and try to go around the world to verify all these different records out there. Yeah, I wonder if, I suppose when people are up into their 100 pluses, uh, they would start thinking about, I wonder if I'm the oldest person, or maybe somebody else thinks about it for them, I don't know. Mm. Whenever you see the picture of somebody in that condition, they don't even look like they're they're enjoying much of anything <laughs> at no. that point. But anyway, so got a little story about that. But uh, a story about birth here to start today. This is uh, news today, the Royal Baby Live. <laughs> I guess they have a whole ongoing uh, a coverage of this. Duchess of Cambridge gives birth to a baby boy. Uh, the Duchess of Cambridge uh, was taken to the hospital to give uh, birth to uh, a son. Uh, Kensington Palace tweeted the news shortly after 1 p.m., stating that the child was delivered safely Um and uh, weighed 8 pounds, 7 ounces, so pretty good size. The Duke of Cambridge was present for the birth. The Queen, Prince Philip, Prince Charles, the Duchess of Cornwall, and Prince Harry have been notified and are said to be delighted. <laughs> what else would you expect? You know, they're furious. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's no news yet on the baby's name, but they always, people bet on this. And uh, right now, people think it's going to be Prince Arthur. <laughs> so people people wager on the name of the new child there. So this happened, I guess, a few hours ago, our time uh, mm-hmm. and their time, but pretty early in the morning, afternoon for them. Uh, really exciting to hear about any birth, really, even if it's not in the royal family. Just, just new life is always a huge event. Yeah, so they, I guess... Uh, According to tradition, they kind of keep a lot of the details quiet uh, up until the birth, like, you know, the sex of the child and so forth. But it's a boy, and, um, oh, I didn't write down which l- number they are in line to their uh, throne over there, but I think it's fifth, maybe, off oh. the top of my head, somewhere in there. So, anyway, so that's always interesting. Uh, 
it seems like they um I don't know. I, they get a fair bit of news coverage still. It seems like it's died down a little bit. But they, then they have that wedding coming up pretty soon. I don't know exactly when that is, where uh, Prince Harry's getting married there. Oh, right. So that'll be... Uh, is that the, this? That's this summer, isn't it? And they're still going toward that, <laughs> I guess. To my knowledge, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not, it doesn't <laughs> seem like it's gotten quite the publicity of <clears throat> uh, some other ones, but uh, who knows? That'll be a, a big event, I guess, coming up. I, I don't know if they'll break any records. His brother, when he got married, I think they broke a bunch of viewing records. A lot of mm-hmm. people were still very interested in that, but that just seems like it was a few days ago, <laughs> yeah. uh, relatively speaking. But it's been boy, it's been years already, and they have at least how many kids do they have now? They have is that it's three now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they have several kids already. So even yeah. though it seems like it just happened, they already have a few kids. Yep. So uh, they've got a big enough house, so they <laughs> yeah, they, they, they right. can have a few more. <laughs> So that's that's uh, overall good news to hear. The uh, this is a really weird story from over the weekend. Um, gunman is on the run after killing four people at a Waffle House near Nashville. Uh, four people were killed and two others critically injured when a man who was naked from the waist down—he was just wearing a coat apparently—came in with an AR-15 assault uh, style rifle. Uh, opened fire at a Waffle House in Tennessee. That was early Sunday. I think it was like 3 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. And Waffle Houses are 24 hours, and so a lot of times if people are up or they're going somewhere or they're coming home from somewhere and they want to eat, you don't have a lot of options, so Waffle House is an option. The suspected gunman was identified as Travis uh, Ranking, 29. He's from Morton, Illinois. He was arrested. Now, this guy's got a little bit of a, a, a track record here. He was arrested in July for allegedly breaching a barrier at the White House and demanding a meeting with President Donald Trump. And he also had threatened to commit suicide in May of 2016 in a parking lot in Illinois. And at the time, his family told authorities he was having, quote, delusions involving Taylor Swift. He believed the singer was stalking him and harassing him, according to police records obtained by ABC News. So this guy's got some obviously major issues, and uh, I the last I've heard, now of course it's always developing story, but they're still looking for the fellow. And so there's a lot of people in the Nashville area are really on alert because it seems to be pretty random. And the, there's actually sort of a hero in the story because uh, he was reloading and a guy tackled him mm. and took the got the weapon away, and then it, the the shooter took off running. So. Um, so there is sort of a hero there. It would have been probably a lot worse if somebody hadn't have jumped up and done something. Right, and it does It does always seem to take uh, some kind of a hero in these different situations or else it usually never stops. I mean, you have to have someone put an end to something like that, whether it's with a gun or, in this case, actually tackling someone. Uh, and then, the, like you said, this person clearly is crazy, but he happened to use an AR-15, which... Uh, who knows if that might end up just being the headline on all these stories. Yeah, they really were quick to kind of jump on that. And uh, But again, this guy, I mean, the issue here <laughs> is just the guy's mental uh, problems. Um, so they don't know all the details yet about this guy. But they, had a, they were running sort of a, a little bit of a feature, I guess. It was on the Drudge Report the other day <laughs> where they had a segment of their headlines i think it was called like crazy in the u.s or crazy in america or something and they were just highlighting just just things people crazy things people are doing and um this certainly fits in with that and it's just you know i went out yesterday to run some errands with the family and uh i just saw some weird stuff just people behaving bizarrely doing odd things if we're talking middle of the day 
major shopping hubs, not not some weird location, and just people behaving erratically, oddly enough, to, at least three to four times to where it really caught my attention. Like, well, I've been, a, I, I don't know what that person's up to, and I, I mean, it's Sunday afternoon, and I was just thinking, what what is going on? It's just getting crazy. And that type of behavior is becoming a whole lot more common, even though it doesn't seem like a lo- enough people in the news are talking about it. A, a lot of just crazy, deranged behavior, and you can't just go back and blame a gun. There's something seriously mentally wrong with a, like millions of people in this country to make them either go out half naked and shoot up a Waffle House like this guy or plenty of other things. A lot of them say that they've been hearing voices in their heads and... Uh, so much of that is caused by uh, all kinds of really strong medications or illegal drugs, or they've just been playing violent video games for hours. There are a lot of different causes to to where someone would actually get to that point of shooting someone else. Yeah, so as this, as this uh, story unfolds, it will be interesting when they start to kind of backtrack some of his history and see, well, why, you know, what is this guy up to? And in it his family knew he was having all these problems. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you do in those instances. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, really, really bizarre. Somebody else I saw too. I don't know, you know, if this is, uh, exactly right or not, but there was some, uh, somebody commented that, that they're in that Nashville area and that they were reporting on the news there that the guy was on some sort of an FBI watch list as well. And I, I don't know if that's exactly right or not. That was kind of a hearsay. But yeah. but anyway, p- there, some people were aware this guy's got some serious, serious issues, and yet, you know, nothing's done. I don't, I don't know what you can do in those cases legally, but, um, you know, it just it seems like every time there's an event like this, they look back and there's all these warning signs along the way, and yet nothing apparently gets done about it. Is a person on an FBI watch list even allowed to have their own gun? It's a great question. You because, know, I, yeah. I mean, he might have even broken a law to get that gun in the first place, which is something else to look at. Yeah, so there's a lot lot that I'm sure they'll look at there. And, of course, anytime there's a shooting, you know all the different political ideologies come down mm-hmm. and want to start looking at it. So, anyway, hopefully they get that taken care of. Uh, it's, but it's a scary time if you've got somebody on the run in a community and you don't know where they are or what they're going to be doing. Uh, I am surprised he's evaded capture this long because <laughs> usually people, they can't hide out very, very long. In these yeah, situations. usually the police get to people within a few hours after something like this happens. And you think someone as crazy as this guy who doesn't even have pants on like would be one of the first ones caught. And he was even tackled, but somehow got away from the person who took him down. So it's it is pretty surprising that he'd still be on the loose. Uh, but I think this does just underscore the point that these types of things are happening all over the country now and it's not just a gun issue it's just a lot of crazy people are out there and they're they're performing all kinds of attacks with different types of weapons especially over in Europe and a lot of other places where guns are banned they're just using other weapons as well uh you do need god's protection in a time like this otherwise uh you're just basically waiting around and hoping that doesn't happen to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking about the employees that would work at a Waffle House or someplace like that, uh, especially when you're working an overnight shift and different people are coming in, and you got to really start looking. What's going on here? And uh, so and they didn't have any warning. I think the guy came in and just shot the windows out and then just came in there. But uh, anyway, at the time of this live broadcast, we do replay it later, but uh, he's still on the loose, and they say that – Police and Nashville area schools are on high alert as the manhunt continues. So, 
you know, you got school in session today and you've got uh, people at work and all these different things and got a guy on the on the loose over there. So um, anyway, interesting. You ever been to Nashville? Uh, I've been to Memphis a few times, but I've never been far enough over to Nashville yet. Yeah, I think I drove by it once on the highway. Remember a lot of road construction. <laughs> but anyway, uh, quite the quite the situation going on there. Uh, well, you you know, you were mentioning just the, the fact that people, um, uh, you know, in other countries, a lot of times they don't have the weapons available like maybe we would in the U.S., but there are still problems. And uh, this story sort of relates to that as just it's un- it's an unfortunate story, but yet it's it's sort of ironic. Uh, this was uh, from KVIA.com. UMC announces a memorial for Parkland Middle School boy struck and killed. So what happened here is they were having a walkout to protest gun violence. Uh, police say the 11-year-old uh, kid was taking part in Parkland Middle School's organized walkout when he and a group of students left the designated walkout area. Police say around 10.30 Friday morning, the group crossed Loop 375, then attempted to cross it again, and the the kid was uh, the last in the group to cross. He was struck by a Ford F-150 and then uh, sustained serious injuries to the point where he died. So... Yeah, unfortunate all around. But you know, I uh, I just thought, well, the, you know, if you could have avoided the whole thing by not walking out of school, just it, it, when you're doing things like that, there is a chance for for serious situations. And the fact that they were 11 years old, now they did leave the designated area and all of that, but but that's what kids do. You know, they leave designated areas sometimes because somebody's like, hey, let's let's go do this, let's go do that, and you know, if if I had gotten word. Uh, say that my kids were at a school that was going to do this, which their school doesn't do these things. But, <laughs> but if 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 that was the case, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want it for just because I think it's the wrong thing to do for one. But number two, I would just say, look, you guys are so young. Uh, yeah, we were walking along the roads and stuff. Like I don't just from a safety standpoint, I think that's a bad idea. Yeah, and it really does hurt to hear of anyone who is killed like in these last two stories. But here is someone who has hardly lived at all, only eleven years old, and the sad reality of it is that he was manipulated by leftists who are trying to organize these walkouts across the country. There's no way this 11 year old knows all the details of the issue or really understands why he's walking out of class for so many of those students. It's just a kind of a fun diversion from normal class time. (laughs) You get to walk out of class. When does that ever happen? And now they're walking across the highway and then trying to cross it again. and, And then he's hit. Uh, that seems to be happening, too, in a lot of these different protests, people forming chains and blocking streets or lying down in the street. And basically, you're at the mercy of the drivers that you are infuriating or a driver could hit someone accidentally, too. It's just extremely dangerous. And clearly, the causes that they are protesting for aren't even worth dying for at all. What a terrible, uh, you know, the driver must feel horrible. You know, I suppose complete accident, I'm assuming. And you know, if you're driving on an interstate, you don't expect a human to be in front of you and you don't have time to react. And so just a terrible situation. But, you know, whenever you have situations like that, you just have to look at the fruits and say, well, the fruits aren't good. I mean, but just when, when you walk out of a public school or a school and you're roaming about and, uh, you know, 
who who's going to watch these kids? I mean, I I remember going to school and anytime there was a field trip or you know that was always sort of like the high tension day for the teachers. Like oh, you know where is everybody? Everybody stay here because you you are responsible for them. And I can't imagine just even from that standpoint being a school administrator or official and just having students just walk out of class and then having to sort of monitor it or hopefully they can you know be okay protect them in their protest and and in this instance an accident happens and you can't bring this kid you know you can say sorry or whoopsies or you know whatever but he's still dead yeah and it's he's dead from a totally unnecessary aspect of his schooling life i mean that's it's not part of any class it's not anything that relates to education in any way he's he's just dying because teachers i guess wanted to organize a walkout they wanted to make a political statement at their jobs and look what happens there are real consequences to things like that and and there have been a lot of protests like this lately where basically you just have people raising a big fuss about something that obviously everyone is against everyone's against people being killed uh, by someone who shoots a gun I and mean, that's something that everyone has a problem with but the the issue is over what the solutions are there people have different solutions uh, and it's been proven repeatedly that taking away all guns is a very bad idea that's what they're advocating for and they're getting people killed by advocating for it when it really doesn't make any logical sense yeah so i think they're going to have some sort of now like memorial i mean they have to have another one like the tragedies just kind of keep building as they they go go along with these things anyway terrible story there and uh just a not a good fruit of those uh, walkouts. There's a story in the Los Angeles Times today about uh, f- the French and the German leaders coming over. They're going to uh, bring President Trump the same message, according to the L.A. Times anyway. Save the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, President Trump faces a European double bill this week as a crucial deadline looms for a decision on whether to withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal. French President Emmanuel Macron and German Chancellor Angela Merkel arriving back-to-back will bring a unified message, save the deal. So they think they're going to save this deal, supposedly, or they want to. And Iran's foreign minister, uh, Yavid Zarif, who helped negotiate the nuclear deal, said on CBS's Face the Nation. First of all, why is he allowed to be interviewed on Face the Nation? <laughs> why Why? You, why do we talk to terrorists? I don't know. It's it terrible. Make sense. <laughs> So, you know, he's saying, well, you know, uh, we'll restart the program if you back out of the deal or whatever. They came out, I think it was yesterday, and said they're going to wipe Israel out within 25 years. Wow. That's just another, you know, 25 years. I, I was surprised there was such a long timetable because they always <laughs> want to do it right now. But <clears throat> they said, yeah, 25 years, we're going to wipe. They're going to wipe another nation off the face of this earth. They say that. And the same day, they're on uh, talk shows being treated like these are great spokesmen. I To me... I don't care what they say. Like, none of it matters. They're lying. I mean, they're lying. They lie all the time with what they're saying. And then uh, I guess sometimes they do tell the truth and that they want, they want to wipe Israel out. Uh, but they're not going to hold any deal. It's nonsense. And why would you make a deal with somebody that threatens to wipe out another nation? Like, that just, I cannot understand the thinking there. Yeah, well, all of it is just beyond comprehension. Every bit of it, I mean, the fact that, Apparently, Iran never even officially signed the deal in the first place, and the fact that the deal doesn't really actually slow them down. They haven't been forced to keep to it. I mean, the International Atomic 
at, what is it, International Atomic Energy Agency, I think, has not been allowed to inspect the nuclear site. So they don't even know if Iran's keeping to the deal. They, they can just say that they are, and basically everyone has to take their word for it. Uh, and all that deal really does is just hopefully slow down the process by a few years. It doesn't put a stop to anything. It doesn't definitively make sure that they'll never create nuclear weapons again. And consider how many times the Obama administration had lied to the American people to even get that deal approved. Remember, they were literally talking about writing fiction stories to convince the American people that somehow the Iranian regime had changed and they were all moderates now and they totally wanted peace with the West so we we could work with them. And that's totally been proven false. They continually, like you said, declare their hatred for other nations and their desire to destroy them. That's not a nation you could ever work with, and you have to either crush them or put sanctions on them till they're crushed in that way. Yeah, uh, Macron said uh, Sunday on Fox News, he said, I don't have any plan B for nuclear protections against Iran. <laughs> well, there might be some that they have actually in Europe there. He said, let's preserve the framework because it is better than a sort of North Korea type situation. Whoa, hang on a second. Why is North Korea in the situation they're in today? Because the exact same type of deal was made by the Clinton administration that they're trying to that they've supposedly made with Iran. What 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 a ridiculous comment to make. Well, we don't want another North Korea. Well, why do you have a North Korea? Well, part of the re- and there's a lot to it, of course, but part of the reason is we tried to make some kind of deal with them. <laughs> so, I mean, it, that's that's the amazing thing to me that he could say something like that, and it wouldn't be stopped by you know the reporter and say, wait a second. Now, you know, or even the fact that they keep talking about this Iran deal, it's sort of, it's this nebulous thing. Like, we'll explain it. Like, what is it? And is it working? And what are, what are the tangible fruits of it? What has it done? And what would we lose if we stopped? That is not explained, at least that I have seen. Right. No one, no one wants to explain the details because the details are not <laughs> really all that pleasant or appealing to anyone. And if the American people knew the details, they'd want to be out of it anyway. It's it's interesting that Macron would bring up North Korea because it just, again, it's another example of failed efforts at peace by using diplomacy. Diplomacy uh, used <laughs> with radical nations that seek the destruction of other nations is never going to yield anything. They'll say a few uh, yeses if they have to to get what they want, but they will never give up their supreme objective, which is to destroy everyone they disagree with. And... We just heard the other day about even just uh, in biblical history, like the Assyrians, King Hezekiah of Judah was trying to appease them by stripping God's temple of all the gold and silver and then giving that to King Sennacherib of Assyria. Did that actually work or did the Assyrians immediately march on Jerusalem to try to conquer it? I mean, a lot of these hostile nations, and it's proven throughout history, will only scoff at you if you try to approach them by giving them gifts, in this case with the Iran nuclear deal, flying them pallets full of cash in the middle of the night uh, in all different types of currencies, uh, secretly, (laughs) totally illegally it looks like. Uh, They'll never actually respond to you in the way that you want if you're just making concessions, paying ransom, or basically making a payment so that you can survive. They'll laugh at that, and then they will keep on pushing until you put a stop to it. Yeah, I mean, just think about Israel for a second. What what has kept Israel from being obliterated? 
uh, some sort of negotiation or do they pay Iran or do they make a deal? No, it's that they've been stronger militarily and, of course, have had the U.S. backing as well. The fact that they were stronger and could wipe out Iran is the only thing that keeps them uh, from being wiped out by Iran. When you have a when you have a, a nationalistic uh, hatred towards another nation and it runs deep, it's not going to be solved by payments or or things like that. They would have to repent, which they don't appear to want to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, uh, they'd have to change, like you know, um, uh, uh, like happened in Egypt years ago, um, where you know there was a real change there with the leadership and uh, with Sadat. And so you just don't see that happen hardly ever. That's why it was such a remarkable uh, historical event, and there's a lot about that at thetrumpet.com. But unless you're going to have a change in the heart of the leadership, then then nothing's going to change. Israel has the power. They could have wiped Iran out a long time ago, but they haven't. Why? Well, because they actually value human life on some level. They don't like the administration there, but they, they, they're not against the individuals living in that country. It's just a completely different way of thinking, and yet the media makes it out like we have to save this deal at all costs. Like, why? Dealing with a terrorist nation? You, you know, you don't have to be like an in-depth um, CIA operative to know that you don't negotiate with terrorists. Like, isn't that kind of a common <laughs> that common knowledge out there? Because you you're just you're playing a game that you're going to lose, right? And the leftist mind is just incapable of figuring out that you can't create any peace through negotiation or through diplomacy or through concessions they've they've tried the same thing for so long i mean the image comes up of chamberlain waving that little piece of paper in the air saying peace in our time whenever he came back from a meeting with hitler is that actually how it transpired or did england have to fight to the brink of national extinction to stop hitler's advances i mean obviously every time you're dealing with nations that have insane leaders, leaders that want to dominate the entire world or want to wipe out an entire race of people, you have to stop them in their tracks. You have to definitively uh, outforce them. You have to use force that blows them away. Otherwise, they're going to keep coming right at you. And when is it? when are we actually going to learn that lesson? That's really the question. Yeah, it's a hard lesson to learn, unfortunately. Um, and there's a lot of good write-ups at thetrumpet.com about that deal, in particular from a year or two ago. You can go back and read those and see why it's such a horrible, horrible decision uh, to even get into in the first place. One other thing that they think that uh, Angela Merkel is going to talk to President Trump about is the trade uh, situation. And they say after the Iranian nuclear deal, trade's going to be the top uh, agenda for Merkel. She, Macron, and other European leaders often express frustration that Trump, in his emphasis on bilateral trade agreements, displays a misunderstanding of how the European Union works. Uh, they take advantage of us. That's how it works. They don't. They, don't you understand? <laughs> it says most trade and commerce must be handled through rules governing the 28-nation bloc, not individual member states. Uh, and because she heads the largest economy in the European Union, Merkel will lobby Trump for exemptions to his plan to impose trade tariffs. So we'll see how that all shakes down. But uh, whenever there's a story about trade and Germany and the U.S. and uh, and Iran and the Middle East, if you're a student of Bible prophecy, a couple of alarm bells go off because, you know, Germany factors into both of those scenarios pretty heavily. <laughs> exactly. And it is interesting here how they, they say that Mr. Trump misunderstands how the European Union works. They're, they're 
openly admitting that they have no national sovereignty in the European Union. They have to abide by rules that control all 28 nations. Uh, why not just call them states? Like, we have 50 states in this country. Why, why would they even bother to be nations over in the European Union if they can't make any decisions, if their leader can't go to President Trump and renegotiate a, a national trade deal? Like, what's the point of even being a nation anymore when you sacrifice your sovereignty in that way? So, yes, that is how the European Union technically works, but it is a travesty, and that just proves in and of itself why England left. Yeah, it's very complex, um, and uh, there's been some Trumpet dailies that talked about that. I think Richard Palmer talked about it, just how how uh, difficult it is sometimes, all the rules and regulations yeah. there in the, the uh, European Union. Um, if, you, if you're tired of fake news... Then uh, you can you can complain about it officially now. There's a uh, there's going to be a new a fake news campaign hotline, NewsGuard, a news a news service that uses trained journalists. What does that mean these days? <laughs> to rate thousands of news and information sites, will announce that it has launched a secure, encrypted digital and telephone hotline for political candidates and members of the public to report suspected fake news sites. So you can call in if you don't think something's uh, if you think it's fake news and report it. Um, that seems pretty dangerous to me. Like, how do you know the person calling isn't knows what they're talking about? <laughs> yeah, and obviously a lot of these different uh, types of groups seem to have motivations that aren't the best. Like, uh, I think it was Facebook that was going to like put a verification next to all these different news headlines that they were allowing to be posted on their site, and basically it would say whether or not that news was coming from a reliable source. But as we've seen, what does Facebook consider to be a reliable source? It's usually quite far left-leaning. and it, So if it's not left-leaning, all of a sudden that just totally discredits the entire source. Right, and that's the thing because if, you've got, if you're just going on like a, say, popularity sort of scale where, okay, most people feel that this is fake, that doesn't make it fake. It's fake if it's not true, <laughs> but that's where it gets to be dicey. There's a lot of people that would say Fox News is fake, right? I'm not saying they're they're all perfect, but they probably give you a little more honesty than say a very in the tank CNN or somebody else. But if you ask CNN, they'd say well, we're not fake news. <laughs> you know, no one would admit to being fake news, um, and. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if anything. I don't think anything will come much of maybe of this in particular, but it just is the way of thinking that's sort of out there. Like, well, we all need to agree that this is truth and this is a lie. But based on what? They're not basing it on whether it's actually true or a lie. They just say, well, you know, this uh, this company NewsGuard, they've got uh, they have uh, uh, hundreds of trained journalists. Well. What does that mean? I mean, do, do they know what the truth is, or are they trained um, from a very, you know, liberal school, which in most cases they are? So they're going to have a different take on things, and that's that's where you can see people could really get sort of silenced uh, if they're not going along with what the common uh, group think is. That and that's that's totally true. I mean, you, you look at uh, the definition of truth; it has nothing to do with people's personal opinions or what the popular trend of the day is it it's something that remains true for all time truth doesn't change and yet people are trying to bend truth or at least blur it to where you can't figure out what it is anymore even and the ceo of this company had to have this quote here where they're saying that a candidate basically tweeted out something from a source that 
was basically created by uh, those who who support that candidate and that, how that was really insidious because it's targeting unsuspecting voters. But there was also a controversy about um, Mr. Trump's Twitter account. This is probably this quote's probably talking about him anyway. But he he tweeted out a few videos uh, from this uh, like Preserve England group or something like that, where um, there were some migrants beating up uh, people who had already lived in that nation, natives of that nation, and the media basically focused on how he was retweeting a xenophobic hate group. And it's like, well, were the videos fake, though? Were the migrants beating up Dutch and English people fake? Or or were those real? Because sometimes you might not even like the source that much, but if they are saying something that's true, you might as well uh, at least re-say what that person says. Yeah, and I think the, the journalists of today, I mean, some are just really bad, but but there are a lot that are... They're going to tell you the half. They're going to tell you a half truth on it. They're not going to give you the full story. So what they say may be technically accurate, but they don't give you the whole story. So they're lying to you, but they're just doing it in a way that's hard to pin down because they'll only talk to one side of it, not the other side. Or they'll tell you, you know, they'll they'll give you what the community person thinks about what just happened, and they're finding the people that are telling the story they want you to hear. But they can say, well, I don't know, you know, I'm just reporting on what so-and-so said. Yeah, but you picked who you interviewed. So that's where it gets it gets really interesting. I mean, it's it, you could call it half fake news. Right. Because, yeah, they told you half of the story, but without knowing the entire story, you can't actually come to what the truth of the matter is. Yes, and, and that's why the focus needs to shift from the sources themselves to what the sources are actually reporting. Uh, today, you have to sift through a lot of different sources and you can't just trust any one of them uh, because there's so there's so many lies out there. You have to match up source by source and figure out uh, what is true from ten or eleven different sources. Unless you're talking about the Trumpet.com, which is always true. But if you're if you're just looking at any any other secular source out there, you have to corroborate it extensively to actually know if it's true anymore. It's getting harder and harder to do. So uh, that is uh, it is good too. Check out thetrumpet.com. Make it as your uh, homepage if you'd like to. The uh, You're listening to Trumpet Radio Live here on 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm and have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at kpcgfm. And if you'd like to email us, you can send emails to uh, comments at kpcg.fm. Uh, this, is a, this is a good story. It's a happy story because uh, there's so many negative news headlines, but I like this one. This is from the express.co.uk. Dog hailed a hero for keeping a lost child safe overnight in the wilderness. That's pretty awesome. They say a deaf and partially blind dog has been hailed a hero for keeping a lost three-year-old girl safe in dense Australian uh, bushland overnight. Which, by the way, is probably the worst place to be caught overnight. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> you talk about potential deadly threats out there. That would be That would be a bad place to be. Blue Healer Max was awarded a police honor after staying by her side for more than 15 hours in the wild and eventually leading rescuers to the child. Max came to the rescue after the three-year-old, Aurora, went missing when she wandered off into bushland on a rural property in 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 Queensland State. Emergency services launched a desperate search for her on foot 
and from the air on Friday, but could not find her. You can imagine being the parents, three-year-old girl lost in the woods. You think, boy, we're never going to see her again. But uh, they were aided in their search by the 17-year-old dog who stayed with the child during a rainy night <clears throat> before leading her distraught family and rescuers to her on Saturday morning. That's awesome. They, you know, they say the dog is a man's best friend, and in some cases that's probably true, <clears throat> and probably uh, kept the child from getting too uh, concerned either, you know, because if you got a dog there, I'm, I'm assuming that she was familiar with the dog, but uh, you'd think, okay, I got my dog here, you know, it'll be okay. <laughs> so that was an awesome story. Well, it says here that the dog was deaf and partially blind, so I'm just shocked that the dog even knew what to do or knew that there was someone who needed help nearby. Uh they do say sometimes that animals have like a heightened their their senses are heightened beyond humans so maybe i don't know what he was able to do to somehow sense that there is a human nearby but obviously uh he stuck around somehow yeah really great story yeah uh, so r- a real relief there for the parents i'm sure the dogs obviously doesn't care about their little honor they gave him but <laughs> as long as he got something good to eat and a good pat down that's probably what he <laughs> wanted uh there's a story too about this guy who he should probably not go outside anymore because he's been bitten by a shark, a bear, and a snake. <laughs> oh no! In his adventures, <laughs> so that was uh, an interesting story as well. And uh, I was talking about it to my wife yesterday, and I saw the headline. I said, "He must be like he must be delicious for the animals." And she said, "Well, maybe not, because they only took one bite, and then that was it." <laughs> right? It seems like any one of them could have finished him off if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, you know, I don't know if people. Um, sort of wear that as a badge of honor after a while. Like, oh, you think that's something? You know, I got bit by a you know shark, a bear, and a snake. Well, he might want to move to a big st- city and stay there. Although, I guess you could get bit by a rat or a pigeon there, too. <laughs> pigeon bites. Or another person, which is, yeah, right. which is possible. Actually, it was a couple of weeks ago I saw a story about this guy that he was sort of raised by wolves, which I, <laughs> I didn't know that that actually had occurred, but it did. I don't know if that's where, like, the... That saying comes from this guy's experience, but it was, I don't know, it was probably 40 years ago or something. Anyway, he he was, for a time, sort of taken care of by wolves, and, uh, and then he said he doesn't like the humans. <laughs> the humans were worse than the wolves were. But, probably uh, true. So, yeah, so I don't know. It's you, you, if, you want, if you're interested, you can look it up. Like, I always thought that was just a, some story. But apparently, some guy actually was sort of. There raised have by been wolves. quite a few books and movies and shows that have that kind of a concept where it's like a mix of humans and animals. Like even even Jungle Book, yeah. is a pretty pretty popular one. But yeah, you never expect to see that in real life, especially when you're kind of raised by wolves. That means that you were especially vulnerable at a young age, and yeah. they decided not to eat you. Yeah, this kid <clears throat> apparently he was. Like he, his parents gave him, I don't know the situation, but they gave him to some person to like work in this area, and then that guy died, and there was nobody else around, and he was pretty young, and somehow he ended up with these wolves. But, uh, but it does remind me one of the, my favorite jokes that I heard a comedian say one time. Uh, he said, you know, you always hear about the boy that was raised by wolves. He's like, but what about the boy that was raised by the boy that was raised by wolves? He said, here you have a non-wolf giving wolf teachings. It's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a lot of distortion there too, yeah. passing along to the generations. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very difficult to communicate verbally the wolf teachings <laughs> to the next child. Uh, here's another one that was in, we mentioned this earlier. The world's oldest person, uh, Nabi Tajima, dies in Japan at the age of 117. 
she was born on August 4th, 1900. Think about all the things she's seen in her lifetime. And reportedly had more than 160 descendants, uh, including great, great, great grandchildren. So you kind of have to wrap your mind around that for a while. Great, great, great grandchildren. And uh, so she died. She became the world's oldest person seven months ago. So she didn't live in the, <laughs> the limelight for very long. After, after the death of Violet Brown in Jamaica, also at the age of 117, Guinness World Records certified 112-year-old uh, Mazo Nanaka of northern Japan as the world's oldest man earlier this month and was planning to recognize Miss uh, Tajima as the world's oldest person. So they break it down to oldest person, oldest man, oldest woman. So she died before she got recognized for it. That's yeah. that's a bummer. Yeah, seven months. So whenever you whenever you become the world's oldest person, it, really what they're saying is congratulations, you're almost dead because <laughs> you're not going to make it much longer. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They really don't last. Like no. like it said, just seven months. She's only been the world's oldest for seven months. Yeah, and uh, you you can't really ask for too much more than that. If you've already pretty much gotten a life that is double most people's lives. You'd probably be happy at that point. It's a long time. I mean, when you think about just, say, you get to be uh, 80, which is older, and you think, well, i got another 30-some-odd years <laughs> left, you know. I have a whole other, like, generation to go. Probably so, they wouldn't be that excited about it, really. No. Whenever you see these uh, people, they're very rarely in. They don't even, I don't know. She, they had one picture of her, and she didn't look like she was aware of much <laughs> going on so uh that would be a, that would be an interesting uh, uh thing to do to be like to just attract the alertness of mm-hmm. people at that age and see like um you know it, it'd be hard to measure but like how what's the oldest somebody's been in modern times and still really sharp mm-hmm. like mentally and able to kind of do things yeah and even if you are sharp mentally the the body breaks down way faster that's that's how my grandfather was he he died last year but you know, he he was pretty much going blind and deaf and had all these issues with, like, no cartilage in his knees. He he had, a, like, some kind of an issue with his, his throat as well and his lungs and everything you could even think of. He's he's broken bones. He got to the point where, like, if you happened to grab him on the arm, his entire arm would turn purple. Wow. Like, dark purple. Like, so even his skin would get damaged really easily, too. So it's just not pleasant when you live that long and there is quite a bit of suffering involved there yeah it is i've i think just like in observing death you know over the years i think that very rarely does it ever work out just right for people it's usually they don't want to die it's too early or they live too long Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's like i it's a grim thing to say to say that but i mean it does seem like there is there is sort of like a a test that comes along for people where, I mean, it's a real character development, obviously, time period, but very rarely do you see somebody be like, perfect, you know, that was exactly what I was hoping for, and, you know, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true, uh, and it's it's amazing just how inspiring people like that can be if they stay positive, because obviously there's not a whole lot of reasons physically to stay positive during trials like that, but if they do, it just should make the rest of us a lot more thankful that we don't have to have a challenge walking up or down stairs, for example, like little things like that where maybe you couldn't even like raise your hand to your face to brush your teeth or to eat. That, that'd be pretty difficult to have to deal with all the time. Yeah, gives us perspective, that's for sure. Here's a quick note, uh, something interesting. If you fly often, I don't know if I like this idea or not, uh, CNN.com says, they asked the question, will the new standing up airplane seat design take off? 
<laughs> they're they're trying to get more people on the planes, and some people complain about leg room, so they said, "Why don't you just stand there? That way you can stretch your legs out." So they they made one a few years ago, look like a saddle for a horse, mm-hmm. and it, they didn't accept it because they just didn't like it. But they but the company said, "Well, people ride horses for hours; they're fine." Um, <laughs> I can't imagine that. But then this one, there's some pictures of it, and it looks more like uh. Yeah, like you you pretty much stand there with this big back and then there's this little sort of area you can sit on and it's uh, yeah. you hold the pole basically. So I don't know. In a short flight, I don't know that I'd mind it, but if it was going to be like five, six hours or something, I don't know that I'd want to just kind of stand, straddle this thing. Yeah, I could see why they would compare that to a saddle because basically your legs are lower than they normally would be. They're not like parallel to the ground. Uh, so, so yeah, obviously you'd be probably trying to hold yourself up more by your with your feet instead of instead of just relaxing uh, quite as much so yeah uh it seems like in this article they revealed the true motive because at at the end of it it said that they can now fit a lot more seats on a plane if they use these seats yep so is it really for the benefit of the passengers or is it for the benefit of the airlines yeah definitely uh profit margin there for the airlines um but I don't know. On a short flight, maybe I'd be okay with it. I'm, I'm just not sure. I'd have to try it, try it and see if I liked it or not. But anyway, if you're interested, you can look that story up, and it shows you pictures there. People are always trying to think about um, new designs and, and ways to invent products. At least your legs wouldn't be bent as much. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get probably a little bit better circulation that way. Maybe it would help posture. I don't know. But uh, it probably wouldn't increase comfort that much. I actually had a dream last night about a product design. So I'll throw it out there in case wow. someone wants to make money. I had this odd dream that uh, I was I was in some sort of a public place and walking past somebody famous and a person that was with me wanted to take a picture of them, but do it covertly. <laughs> uh, and then I in the dream I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if you had a way where you could take a picture of somebody but not have the phone pointing at them? Like if you could <laughs> if you could rotate the camera somehow. Yeah. So you could take pictures of you know famous people without them knowing. I'm sure it'd be used for a lot of horrible things, yeah. and maybe that technology is out there already. But I, I woke up and I was like, that was that's that's not a bad idea. Actually. That would be a great contribution to the police state. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never know who's taking pictures of you. Uh, that would be a probably a horrible idea, but in the context of my dream, I thought, hey, you know, you never know. So uh, make sure you listen for the Trumpet Daily Radio Show coming up in a bit today. Uh, Really great program, including some information about a new archaeology exhibit that's coming to Armstrong Auditorium just down the way from where we are here on the campus of Herbert W. Armstrong College. So uh, some exciting artifacts from Jerusalem are coming over here. And uh, if if this is news to you, then, wow, you know, I'm breaking the news, but I'm sure most people have heard. Uh, and uh, anyway, they give all the details there on the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Uh Host Stephen Flurry talks to Brad McDonald about that, and he's working on that. So uh, it's going to be exciting. It's coming up here, I guess, uh, let's see, a month or two, uh, June. A month and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it only lasts for two months, but they did say that our first exhibit with uh, the the seals of Jeremiah's captors would only last for about six months. It ended up going from January 2012 to October 2015. So it lasted almost three years, and we just kept on extending it and extending it. So hopefully we could do the same with this one, which is only supposed to last about two months. Yeah, so that that's going to be exciting. And if you're in the area, of course, you'll want to come out and see it. And even if you're not and you're just listening online at a far-flung location, eh, maybe you've been wanting to take a trip anyway. So you could come out and see that. It's going to be quite quite exciting, especially the opening uh, weekend. 
And uh, I don't remember all the numbers, but uh, quite a few people came to the other one over over time. There was I think really, it was over four thousand. Yeah. So that's quite a few people. This one though, it'll basically have uh, an accompaniment online. So if you can't visit it in person, you could also just take the virtual tour. Basically, every item that's in the physical exhibit, you could also uh, see online at, at WatchJerusalem.co.il. They'll relaunch the site, and then there will be a live stream of the debut ceremony and then also uh every every time you go on there you could go through a tour of the exhibit virtually that's that's gonna be awesome so yeah you can you can get get uh, a good perspective and a good view and all that kind of no matter where you are so more details there on the trumpet daily radio show and of course there'll be a lot more details coming out as well um one to end today on a uh, health note um i was as i mentioned earlier i was uh around town. I was about town yesterday. It's a man about <laughs> town. <laughs> and uh, just walking past uh, individuals and you know, uh would it surprise anyone to know that uh there's a health crisis in the United States? Just uh, a lot of a lot of difficulties. Uh and uh this is a write-up from uh pcog.org website. We are what we eat, the horrific American diet. <laughs> it's it's bad. It's not good. We were actually at this mall and they had a food court there. And uh, I was just laughing. I thought to myself, yeah, food court. It's like going, you have to go to court, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking you to food court. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, the the diet is not good here in the U.S., of course. And so one of the things this write-up talks about, and it's a whole series of write-ups there at the PCOG.org website, which is really good to look at. But this one talks about just the fact that a lot of sickness and disease comes from our bodies being too acidic, being too much of an acidic environment. All sorts of harmful and disease-causing bacteria and viruses live and thrive in a state of acidosis. It's right next to California. (laughs) Uh, Candida, yeast, fungus, and mold flourish in your body when it has a low pH. So we have all these diseases that are sort of modern diseases, I guess, or at least taking off more like your cancers and so forth. And in a lot of cases, it comes down to the body environment, too acidic, things grow in that, bad things grow in that. It has to do with the diets that people eat without even thinking about it. You know, it's just, hey, that's what they're selling. That's what I'm going to buy and eat. And most of it's very high, um, very acidic and really turns the body environment acidic as well. Well, that's the that's the hard thing about going grocery shopping. All of the cheap items are deep frozen and they happen to be like all kinds of pizzas that have no nutritional value to them or or hamburgers or whatever else. So they, then you go to a restaurant like yesterday I went to Top Golf and uh they obviously we got some things off the menu but I was just thinking about it later like man you wouldn't want to eat chicken wings and miniature tacos and you know tater tots and like brisket grilled cheese sandwiches too often because that that could take you out so even even pretty much most every restaurant it's going to prioritize taste over uh health a lot of the time and of course there are some ways you can make healthy food tasty too it's just pretty difficult yeah and that's the issue almost anywhere you go in the u.s that's what they're serving to you or they're selling at the stores they say your blood must stay between a ph of 7.2 and 7.4 for you to stay alive (laughs) (laughs) oh that's important and so if it drops below 7.2 you will die in a short while therefore your body will do anything and everything it takes to keep the blood from dropping into acidity so what does it do? It has to rob other parts of your body. Uh, it borrows alkaline minerals such as calcium, sodium, potassium, and magnesium from vital organs and bones. 
That's so that's, terrifying. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So the body's resilient. It'll take what it needs, but it's going to have to take it from other other vital functions and and structures in the body. And yeah, we've seen uh, definitely uh, different examples of people breaking a bone when you thought that they were really healthy athletes, for example, and who knows how much could be caused by poor diet. That that really does seem to be a start of a lot of these uh, really horrific problems like breaking a bone or having some kind of uh, internal organ failure where the, on the surface they might look really healthy, but if they're not fueling themselves right, there could be a really big problem. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of uh, diseases that begin and, and uh, are caused by having too much uh, acidity in the body. They have a list here. Uh, cardiovascular damage, including um, constriction of blood vessels and the reduction of oxygen. Uh, weight gain and obesity, I think that's where we see like the obvious signs the most probably in the U.S. Um, they say, you know, if your body gets desperate and it's got to store the toxins somewhere, of course, it'll create fat. Just to, mm. It has to put it somewhere, and that's where it uh, puts it. Of course, uh, diabetes, other sugar diseases, low energy, chronic fatigue. Uh, things A lot of times things that people think are just kind of common. You know, like I'm getting older, I just, yeah, you know, it's got all these different things. But in a lot of cases... We shouldn't have it, you know. And I've actually found this to be true for myself where, uh, you know, there were times where I would get out of bed in the morning just kind of sore and stiff. and, and, uh, and But then making a few changes in my diet, eliminating some things, particularly like uh, sugars and stuff, to a, to a large extent. I'm not saying never have it, but I mean just paying more attention to that. And it's amazing to find out that a lot of those like, aches and pains go away. Um because uh, the inflammation in the body isn't happening the same. It's easy to think, I don't know, you know. I just, I'm sore today and not think about what I ate the week <laughs> before that's probably causing some of those problems. Yeah, normally we'll t- turn to like, what kind of work do we do in the backyard that might have caused it? Or like, did we do a workout that made us sore? But yeah, I've noticed that too sometimes. If I happen to be eating more healthy, my whole body just feels more loose and fluid like I could move in ways that I normally couldn't if I were uh, living normally. So it does take a lot of effort to look into those things, but definitely it makes a huge difference, uh, especially, especially diet. That's probably the most foundational part of it. Yeah. And another thing that people can run into being too acidic is uh, depression. It can affect your, your mental state as well. Uh, I guess, uh, well, we've all heard, I suppose of, you know, being depressed and eating like comfort food, that type of thing. But um, it is interesting to think that what we eat could affect our our mood and attitude. Like that's not something I would probably naturally think about, but it does have a big impact. Yeah, it goes it goes both ways. That's like what we've talked about before, where our uh, like having poor health could affect our thoughts. So we'll get more negative if our our health is bad. But at the same time, when we get negative it could then make our health bad too. It's the same here where uh, what you eat could then affect uh, your mood. It's not just your mood affecting what you eat. Yeah, and one of the difficulties I think that every person probably runs into is that it's easy to not really think much about it until there's a reason to think about it, as in there's a problem and now it has to be worked on, And which is good. I mean, it's good to work on it, but... Uh, it's hard to be young and and have things going fine and and heed the advice of somebody that's older and says you know that's going to harm you long term. You're like ah, no big deal, but it it does catch up eventually. And it catches up pretty fast. I mean, I think we've all 
experience that if we're out of our teen years. I mean, it does it does come fast where you have to take considerations to how many hours of sleep that you're getting a night. There's all these studies that show like this is how much you should be sleeping, but how many of us as teens actually pay that any mind instead of staying up all night sometimes and uh, sleeping in study hall. Right. <laughs> not. I'm not saying I did it. I'm saying I observed. Oh, you really spoke like an expert. I you had me there for a I second. I observed people <laughs> sleeping in study hall. I could never do that. I can't sleep in public spaces. <laughs> it's a little awkward to do that. I just can't relax. I don't want people looking at me. Yeah, I can't relax. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so there's a lot of, of great information here. We just kind of gave a little preview there. And if you go to PCOG.org, there's a whole series of these articles about health and particularly if we're looking at this topic of the acid-alkaline balance. And there's another uh, article then uh, that you can read in the series that looks at some of the steps to take to become more alkaline. So it gives some really good practical advice too. And it's, it's you know, dietary, obviously. So anyway, really interesting to, to look at that. And um, yeah, it's very difficult in the in the Western culture to, um, uh, if, let's just say, if you were to just go with the flow of the way people eat and where, where everyone goes and just kind of live that way, probably going to end up with the same problems a lot of people have yeah that's that's the issue is that the trend is downward and you have to try to climb against that difficult to do but very important to do so you can check that out at uh, pcog.org that's all the time that we have for today on this monday edition of trumpet radio live key david program trumpet daily radio show coming up make sure you listen for those for grant turgeon and myself dwight falk have a great rest of your monday and we'll talk to you tomorrow listening to Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG